Thank you. You may be seated, and we do indeed congratulate the graduates and uh, wish you all the very best. It's a, it's a day of many, many thoughts and feelings, the culmination of an academic career, graduation, and yet other things to do with, um, have you finished all of your finals yet? That's next week. All of your papers yet? That's next week. And, uh, but we're so very happy for you and proud of you. And for all of the guests who've come to be a part of this ceremony, we thank you. And uh, it's a team effort. The individual graduate who works so hard to complete the curriculum, faculty and staff, administration who work with you, friends and family who share uh, in the circle of support, but today we focus on you, and we certainly do congratulate you for what you have accomplished. And of course, a ceremony like this, it is called commencement because it's not the end. It's a commencing from one stage of life to another. And we symbolize with the academic attire and the formality of the service, the values that are represented by an education and all that you have accomplished. It's very, very meaningful. It's uh, one of those marker points in life. Uh, the pictures that are taken, the cords and the degrees and the academic paraphernalia that is a part of it symbolizes the very, very deep values that are a part of this educational experience. So indeed, we do congratulate you. It is an academic exercise, and no academic exercise can be entirely complete without a bit of Latin. And um, I often will throw some Latin into this commencement address. Today, I am not doing Latin. I'm going to do some German philosophy before we get to the application of these truths through the gospel. The, um, through the years, in my time here at North Central, I've taught philosophy. And it's uh, in the broad educational experience, one of the things that you have studied and I trust has been meaningful to you, would be a bit of history and a bit of philosophy. And uh, the philosophers have endeavored to answer some of the great big questions of life. Who am I? Where am I going? Where did I come from? What's right? What's wrong? How do I fit into history? And all of those things. And um, I have enjoyed my own uh, background in philosophy, reading and teaching and engaging those huge questions of life. And so today, just a little bit of German philosophy to set the stage for uh, some other comments having to do with your graduation and your purpose in the world. It's rather interesting that in the history of philosophy, even among the most godless of all thinkers, that um, occasionally, and sometimes you might even say often, they get the diagnosis of the problem right or close to right. Now, their solution to the problem is often way off base, but it's been interesting to read how accurate they can be in diagnosing the human condition. A couple of German philosophers, Friedrich Nietzsche, okay, otherwise known as Fred Nietzsche, um, <laughs> to us Americans, um, he died in 1900. But uh, he said something very, very insightful. He, he was concerned about 19th century Europe and the fact that it had abandoned its moral underpinnings. 
and had put nothing in its place. And he was predicting then really moral disaster for Europe. The diagnosis was largely correct. His solution, Der Übermensch, the Superman, the exertion of will and power and domination and exploitation was a very wrong-headed solution. But it is interesting to read his diagnosis of what happens to a culture when the foundation is eroded, when the center is taken out of the middle of things, and how that culture will fly apart, fly to pieces in every which direction. Another one, Arnold Arthur Schopenhauer, older than Nietzsche, he died in 1860. Famous work is The World as Will and Idea. He was a cynic and a pessimist. He taught in a number of places. He did not get along with anyone anywhere he ever lived. He was a quarrelsome person, a hateful person, but he made some very interesting observations about the human condition. He said the problem with the human race is egoism, human will, the urge to acquire, desire that can never be satisfied. And the, the word egoism, me at the center, I'm the center of the universe, and I have desires, and in his writing, it's remarkable how he says, trying to satisfy desire is an endless process, and the best you will ever achieve is boredom with what you've gotten. Very, very interesting, his remarks. His diagnosis, in some respects, is spot on. His um, solution, interestingly enough, resembles a little bit of what's in the Bible. He says, what you actually have to do is eradicate the power of that will. You have to kill self-centeredness, uh, asceticism, self-sacrifice. But um, it's a very dark philosophy because ultimately his view is you have to kill yourself. And that death and suicide and going out of existence is the only way that you can escape the bondage of this hellacious human condition of self-centeredness. His writing is very interesting. He's a great writer. Here's a quote. In early youth, now this might apply to you because you are in early youth. We are like children in a theater before the curtain is raised, sitting in high spirits and eagerly waiting for the play to begin. So maybe you are waiting for the play of life to begin in a new way. It is a blessing that we do not know what is actually going to happen. The longer that you live, the more clearly you feel that life is a disappointment, nay, a cheat. We are like lambs in a field, disporting under the eye of the butcher, who chooses first one and then another. In our good days, we are unconscious of the evil which fate has in store for us, sickness, poverty, mutilation, blindness, insanity, and so on, end of quote. <laughs> that is such a, I think it's a funny, horrific, dismal, dark, bizarre assessment of what awaits you. Mutilation, think of it. Insanity. The dark philosophy of a godless mind. 
there is difficulty and suffering in life. And what's interesting, Schopenhauer, who was a godless man, did not believe in the Bible, but he did say this. The fall represented and articulated in Genesis 1 through 3 is true. So he did incorporate a little bit of biblical understanding of the human problem, the fall of man. His answer is a dark and godless solution. But it, there is a world out there where there's a great deal of sorrow and suffering. In some of Schopenhauer's writings, he talks about America. He talks about slavery in America. And in very poignant and very clear language, he describes some of the horror of the human condition, where self-interest, the desire to get ahead, actually becomes a part of law, where the owning of people and the using and abusing of people becomes part of a cultural experience. So in some respects, Schopenhauer is spot on when he talks about the evil that is present in this world. Well, I want to tell you this morning that as the curtain rises on the play of the next part of your life, you should expect there will be difficulty. But you should not live in the darkness of a godless answer and look forward only to death as a way to escape your impending mutilation and insanity. There is much more to look forward to than that dark assessment. What you've done here at North Central is get a multifaceted education. And really, we hope that more than just what you've learned here, that you've learned how to learn because there's a lot to learn in life. And there will be many things that you will face for which you don't have answers because we can't teach at all, and we certainly can't deal with what you're going to face five days, five years, or 50 years from now. That you've developed the ability to know how to learn and how to face problems and how to diagnose the problems and find a proper solution. And so I'd like to raise our perspective from perhaps even the very tight focus on the classes that you have taken, the major that you may have had, the degree that you're receiving, the educational picture and its multifaceted dimensions, which includes classroom and chapel and the cafeteria, the residence halls and service assignments and the job you have worked and the bills that you have paid or plan to pay, to the bigger picture that is so much more important than all of that. What is it really all about? What, what is it that you are really all about? The biggest picture is this, and what I see in you today in your academic attire and holding your diploma is a very special group of people, special in the eyes of God, special in the plan of God. No particular major, no particular career, no particular vocation, but something bigger than all of that put together. You are the people of God. You are the people of God. You are the physical expression of the kingdom of God on earth. The reign and the rule of God over sin, sickness, hell, death, the grave, mutilation, insanity, the butcher of Schopenhauer's writings, you are the expression of God's victory over all 
of the difficulty of this world. So you've majored in different subjects, and that's very good, and you'll have specific expertise and specific career callings that you will pursue, you will excel, you will succeed, but all of that is in a bigger frame. Who are you really, and what are you really all about? You are the church. You are the people of God. You are the called out ones, the ones that are different in this world. You're the people who are in this world, but you're not of it. You've been formed by God and formed by the Spirit, transformed by the work of God, not formed by this culture in which you live. You are the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, people. You will go out and demonstrate that wherever you may go. You are the salt people. You are the light people. You are the temple of God people. And Paul's powerful words when he says, don't you know that you are the temple of God? Don't you know that even your physical body is the home of God on earth? Don't you know you've been bought with a price? Peter says the precious blood of Jesus Christ is what it took to purchase you and to make you a part of the kingdom of God to make you the church in the world. So you are all called, you are all saved, you are all filled, you are all gifted. And as Paul says in Corinthians, and yet there are specific gifts. Within the big picture of being God's people in the world, you're all very unique and very special. Now, not special in the way that you may have thought you were when, as a child, somebody gave you a sweatshirt or a T-shirt that said, I am special. Not that kind of special. Oh, and not the kind of spatial. That's not the uh, special spatial. You are special, unique, selected by God, that in the big picture to fulfill roles. All called, all gifted, all empowered. And yet some of you will be apostles. You will preach a gospel where it's never been preached. You will build a church where they've never heard the name of Jesus. You will suffer for the cause of Christ, and yet even in the suffering you will be victorious. Some of you are prophets. I didn't say will be. You already are. The expression of it is yet to be seen, but the gifting of it is present already. Evangelists, to take the good news of the gospel to that dark marketplace where people are trying to find hope and happiness in acquisition only to find that life does not consist in the abundance of things, but it consists in knowing God, and you will fill that role. Some of you will be pastors, elders, bishops, overseers who will guide and direct and help people in their own spiritual journey. Some of you will be deacons serving in the church, handling some of the practical matters of the church, uniquely called and uh, uniquely an expression of God's work. And so we celebrate the uniqueness of each every one, each, each individual one, and the particular preparation that you've made and the very particular and specific work you will do. But from that, we back away and we look at the big picture. Who are you really today? You are the people of God. You've worked hard to cultivate what God has put in you, 
but you've also opened your heart to receive what God can give you, because you'll never get this done on your own. Yeah, you're smart and you're hardworking. You've already demonstrated that. You've graduated. We congratulate you for what you've done, but we celebrate what God has done and is doing and will do through you. So it's a great day. It's a wonderful day. As we think of the difficulty of the world, and yes, as the curtain rises and as you go into new avenues of work and service, there will be heartache, there will be darkness, there will be sad people, there will be difficulty. But you will not be overcome by that. Rather, you will take the victory of the kingdom into those places. And you will not be one of those cynics who runs around saying, the sky is falling and we're all waiting for the butcher to slit our throats. And that's not your message. Your message is greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And you will be light and you will be salt. That's who you are. That's what you will do. So this morning, we congratulate you. We're so proud of you. We're hopeful for you. We warn you a bit and give you an admonition. Don't let the difficulty of the world get into your soul. But you take what God has put in you and you change what's around you instead of letting what's around you change what's inside of you. Be very, very careful. Guard your soul. Stay close to Jesus. Stay in the Word of God. Be filled with the Spirit and go out and change the world. We now will commission you, and I call upon Dr. Brathwaite to come for the commissioning. Can we all stand, please, as we pray for our graduates? Our God, our Creator, the one who loved us so much, we give you praise and thanks for all that you have done we thank you for the parents and families, churches and communities who have nurtured, trained, and supported these graduates over the years. We thank you, Lord, for entrusting these graduates to us in this most formative time. We have loved them. We have prayed for them. We have mentored them. We have taught them. We have cried with them. We have laughed with them. We have discharged the duty that you have given to us. Now, Sovereign Lord, we commit them to your continued care. May they experience your presence in ways that they have yet to imagine. We pray for the descent of the Holy Spirit upon them. Lord, may you empower them mightily for the mission that you have given them. Lord, we ask for your anointing and power to be manifest in and through their lives. May they be light in the darkness. Now, Lord, as we too have been commissioned by you and by the great cloud of witnesses that have come before us, we, by your Holy Spirit, commission them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit that they may go forth fulfilling the call of God upon their lives. This we ask all in Jesus' name, and all God's people say amen and amen. Now, just a quick reminder before we...
proceed, all graduates and their families are invited to a light reception in the small chapel immediately uh, following the ceremony, and it will be hosted by the Alumni Association. Let me once again congratulate you all. God bless you.